0: What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young. Today, tonight on the number one college football show, we are going to recap Oklahoma losing to Kansas State. I have feelings about this. We're gonna talk about Tennessee pulling out a win against Florida and what the hell is going on with Georgia. Hey, it's time for week five of the number one college football show. Let's go. Okay, so week five for me, week four for you. We call it week four. I said week five, that's on me. Great start to the night, right? As, yeah, I'm out of sorts. Oklahoma's out of sorts. We're in sync, though, because we're drift compatible here in the state of Oklahoma. I watched what you watched. I watched Oklahoma absolutely give it up to Kansas State at home, 41-34. to 34. Kansas State stuns number six, Oklahoma. It's right there in my rundown. I wish I was making it up, but I'm not. Adrian Martinez comes into this game averaging 100 yards, passing a game. We say that again. Averaging 100 yards, passing a game. He's 4.6 yards per completion coming into this game. is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. That's two touchdowns, people. And what do I get? I get Adrian Martinez absolutely on his Captain Marvel, going binary against my team in my squad. For the second straight year, this man got it up to go beat the hell out of my Oklahoma Sooners, and this time, apparently, it's the Purple Power that was able to give him his powers in the way that he wasn't able to give them from the Huskers last year. So I got Adrian Martinez, a transfer from Nebraska that Nebraska was not unhappy to see leave go for 380 yards total against an Oklahoma defense that had been shutting everybody down. 500 yards of offense given up by my Oklahoma Sooners to a Kansas State team that lost to two lame 70-10 to 10 last week. Look, man, you talk to most Oklahoma Sooner fans like myself, they'll tell you. There are two games now that give us the willies. Used to be three, but Gary Patterson long longer uh, coaches at Texas Christian, but they're 4-0, oh, so who knows with Sonny Dykes. The other, Texas, because the Red River rivalry is always squirrely, and after the four overtime quadruple bypass I had to have, we're due for an L. And now that they've taken a loss against Texas Tech, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, yeah, they're probably going to be coming for our skulls as well. Meanwhile, the only other team to beat Oklahoma more than anybody else in the last decade is the doggone Kansas State Wildcats. I guess Brent Venables took Bill Snyder's text message a little too serious this week. I'm joking. I know Brent is a very serious and intense man, but it sets up the story. And the story is Bill Snyder, who famously does not use technology, decided to text Brent Venables Congratulations on beating Nebraska. Get win number four, but not this week. To which Brent just smiled and giggled and said, I guess he looked at the schedule. You know who else looked at the schedule? The doggone Kansas State Wildcats. That's who looked at the schedule. We're talking about an Oklahoma team I was gloating about just like seven hours, 10 hours, no, 12 hours earlier. Saying, hey, Oklahoma gave up three points to Kent State. Look at what Kent State did in Georgia. And then here comes Chris Kleiman. And here comes Colin Klein in his first year as an offensive playmaker, play uh, play caller, once again, ripping my heart from my chest. Not as a quarterback, but as a play caller for Nebraska cast off. Now, not only I'm Oklahoma Sooners, a one-lost team that I have to dock in the top 25 tomorrow, but the Oklahoma one in the big 12 and has the delightful producer cat who's on a high i might add we'll get to in a little bit later that's for me november 26th we have the kansas state rivalry game with kansas yes kansas state has beaten ou two of the last three times they have a formula and they aren't scared upset alert that's from Noted USC and Oklahoma Destroyer colleague, Matt Leiter, who, yeah, put up 55 on Sooners. Like, everybody's dunking on Sooners here, man. My goodness. I'm really, I'm really beside myself because I it's been a while since I saw another quarterback rush for 148 yards on 21 carries against Oklahoma. And you know what? The doggone Brent Venable defense, because the Brent Venable defense that I know about. Don't give up no forty-one points, no five hundred yards, no one hundred twenty-one yards rushing to a quarterback at Kansas State, unless of course Colin Klein or L. Roberson. Remember him destroying Oklahoma? You know what? Fair play to the Kansas State Wildcats who showed up to Norman with a grudge and silenced eighty-five thousand screaming Sooners. My goodness. I did not expect to get beat down at home. I'm like, cool, we got both the Kansas State, uh, both the Kansas teams at home. It's fine. And now I got gambling networks calling my squad fraudulent, and I have no recourse here because what am to all I can say is, hopefully, it's a one loss season. But as my Sooners have also decided they want to go play in the SEC, this is probably one of our last two opportunities to, you know, win 11, 12 games in a season on a consistent basis. And what do we do? We blow one in September to Kansas State, Kansas State, full full credit to you. I, I don't mean to be dunking on you in that way, except to say I'm a little, I'm I'm, I'm on the losing side of this one, and it hurts. It stinks, stinks, it stinks. So from Oklahoma, Kansas State. Kansas State moving into, <laughs> into a tie for first place in the Big 12 with Kansas. My God. Maybe Tyler's on to something, producer Tyler, another producer for the show, who's like, hey, RJ feels real 2007 up in here. And I'm going, yo, man, when Kansas is a top 10 program, when they finish in, like, number three in the Associated Press Bowl playing the Orange Bowl, call me. You know what Kansas is looking like? Like a dog on top 10 team. They're 4-0. They're 4-0. And Oklahoma's 3-1. When the hell has that happen? I could be here all night and we don't have time for it. But you know, one of the things that what we do on the show is we take our lumps, we we take our beatings on the head. Tyler took one with Notre Dame. Uh uh, produ- uh well, producer cat is living a high life right now. But then again, again, it's been Tennessee for like, you know, 15 years. So yeah, uh, it's my turn, is what I'm saying. It's my turn, right? My man Javion, he on he owned the South Carolina. They were giving a hard, getting a hard time from Charlotte tonight. You know, Duke Mayo Bowl, big deal for them, right? And then we got the USC fans over here living their best life. But we'll see about that because as we're doing the show, Oregon State is giving them everything they want to handle. All right, you know who else got everything that they wanted to handle tonight? Wisconsin, okay? Because as my Oklahoma Sooners are getting the beat down by the Kansas State, Wisconsin got the beat down from the Ohio State Buckeyes. Score there is fifty-two to twenty-one. The thing to take away from this game is not that Ohio State ho-hummed Wisconsin with 52 points. It's that they did this without their best skill player on the field. Jackson Smith and Jigba missed another game, mostly because they just didn't want to risk him getting any any more injured, right? They want to arrest him. And Ryan Day has been really consistent about saying, hey, I'm not going to play anybody in that receiving court, Julian Fleming being the other, who's not 100% ready to go. And you know what? He hasn't had to because they're just that deep and they're just that sturdy at Ohio State. It's not that C.J. Stroud was 17 of 27 for 281 yards, five TDs and a pick. It's not even that they had 200 yard rushers in Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, or that they had a 100 yard receiver in Emeka uh, Ebuka again, right? It's that Jim Leonard has been defensive coordinator at Wisconsin for six years and basically since he got that job in February 2017. All he has done is demonstrated himself to be one of the best play callers in all of football on either side. It was just a matter of time or is a matter of time for me as to when he wants to get a head coaching job. But he seems to be very happy at Wisconsin until tonight, the most points that a Wisconsin program had given up with Jim Leonard as defense coordinator is 41 in the game, Ohio State had scored 45 by the end of the third quarter. Okay. It's different in Columbus. Matter of fact, the joke that I laid out that was not one of my best jokes of the day, if we're just going to be honest about it, but I thought it was good anyway, is it's getting ugly in Columbus. It's going to be on rent and repeat this year. Because right now, it feels like there are just two teams in the Big Ten, which by the way, is stout, that can challenge Ohio State. One of them being the Michigan Wolverines talking about, the other one being the Minnesota Golden Gophers, who y'all are finally beginning to see what I see. And we'll talk about them as well. All this also say that, As much as we knew that the Ohio State offense was going to be outstanding because it was last year and it's been outstanding since Ryan Day became the play caller in 2018, it's also that Jim Knowles' defense has taken so much less time to acclimate. Like I thought it was going to take them at least a year to get used to the 4-2-5 that he wants to run because it is very complicated, and maybe having Tanner McAllister as a grad transfer from Oklahoma State would help facilitate that, but it hasn't been some. Those dudes are playing fast. They're staying with everybody. They're keeping things in front of them, and they're putting people on the ground. I watched Jack Sawyer take on that Jack linebacker role, and I said, oh, no. They found a place for this man to shine because you'll know that Jack Sawyer is one of the better players in the 2021 class. I believe he's the number two player in the 2021 class, number one player in the state of Ohio when he signed with Ohio State. He's playing the position that Colin Oliver played at Oklahoma State last year as a true freshman coming out of Edmond Santa Fe. That dude had 15 and a half tackles for loss and 10 and a half sacks as a true freshman, what do you think Jack Sawyer is capable of in that sort of a defense? Doing what Colin Oliver was asked to do. Pass rush. Get after people. And you can do that when you have folks in third and long. And you can certainly do that against folks like Graham Mertz because as much as we want that dude to be the second coming to Russell Wilson, it just ain't happening. Now, I do want to add Braylon Allen got his in. Right? 23 rushes, 165 yards. So later in the game, m- we might call garbage time. We got to see Braylon Allen shine. Great. But it's still not the Wisconsin team that we had come to know even four years ago when we saw what Jonathan Taylor was capable of doing in that offense, okay? Marvin Harrison, also, what, what are you doing out here with an Apple Watch on, man? <laughs> you want to make sure you get all your steps today? Is that what you want? Because I get it. I understand. You want to make sure you get all your steps counted toward your goal? That's one thing to do. But it, it, look at this. Look, this reminds me of Odell Beckham Jr. when he was a New York Giant. I believe a New York Giant. He had the Richard Milley on. Remember that? Might have been Cleveland. I can't tell. That dude has played with like four different teams. One of those pro teams being an LSU team. You know what I'm saying here? Point is, shout out to Marvin Harrison Jr. Because he can get it done like that with the Apple Watch on. And and that dude's been wrecking people. Like, he's second coming to David Boston to me. For those of you that don't know, David Boston was a monster wide receiver at Ohio State. Also cock diesel like your man Marvin Harrison Jr. From that Big Ten game, let's move to another Big Ten game. Let's talk a little bit about Michigan beating Maryland 34-27. And what did we learn from this game, right? Because I had been very critical from the jump with Michigan about their schedule and not knowing much about them, right? Even leaving them unranked to start in the preseason. Since moving to the top five, but nobody wants to give me credit for that because they want to think about what I did in August when nobody played. That said, I think I was right to do it. They were 45-point favorites in every other game they played. They hadn't played a Power 5 team. They're having two offensive coordinators where nobody will tell Even the guys calling the game, who's calling the plays? They traded quarterbacks who were starting, and the only consistency that they had that you could depend on was Blake Corum, and it turned out Blake Corum had to put Michigan on his back to beat Maryland. He went 30 rushes for 243 yards. He's a dude, right? We understand that. Matter of fact, I would like to think that Mike Hart walked in on a recruiting visit for Blake Corum and said, hey, you remind me of me, young man, except you were twice as fast because it's true. Okay. outside of that, we got to see Maryland have a little backbone. They went in three and oh, and it felt like if they don't have the fluke football off the face mask on the opening kick, which is recovered by Michigan, they put it into the end zone. And you have a Talia Tonga Valoa that doesn't throw an egregious pick. Maybe you're in this game in a different way, but that's just not the way it cooked out for you. I didn't think that J.J. McCarthy looked all that great, even as his numbers look pretty doggone good. Right. They didn't ask him to do a bunch, but. He also still got them into a lot of trouble that I didn't think they need to be in. And that's really the criticism for JJ as good as he is at getting you out of bad situations and making plays happen with his legs that other people can't make. And he made a few of them against Maryland today. He also could put you into some bad situations by holding on the ball or throwing the ball where it shouldn't be going. I'm going to say that Michigan played somebody because I believe that Maryland is a good football team and they are owed that due and they made it all one-score game covering the spread, I might add. First team to cover the spread against Michigan all year. The spread was like two touchdowns, and we're talking about 34-27 here. Other part to take away from this is that if Michigan runs into a team, say like, I don't know, Iowa, when they play them next week on Big Noon Kickoff, who can absolutely stop the run, what's J.J. McCarthy going to do? Right? That's my question. Can you depend on J.J. McCarthy to go get you 303 TDs through the air and beat Iowa over the top? Or are you going to try to get into a rock fight with Iowa? Because Iowa has proven that they are more than willing to get into a rock fight with you. They've given up 23 points all season. That is the least amount of points they've given up through their first four games since 1956. And they have got the roll-safe knowledge going on. You don't need an offense to score if your defense scores, which they did twice against Rutgers tonight. So I'm just saying, you're going to get another test for the Michigan Wolverines this coming Saturday, and one in which I think we'll reveal more about them and whether or not they can honestly challenge that Ohio State team come Thanksgiving weekend for the Big Ten East title, as I think it's going to go. All right. From that game, quickly to an ACC clash, we got to see a really one of the best games of the day all day. Number five, Clemson rallied to beat number 21, Wake Forest, 51 to 45 in double OT. Sam Hartman can sling it. I'm going to say it again Sam Hartman can sling it. And you knew that from last year, but I like seeing the continuity and, uh, from one year to the other, and I also like to see the contrast. DJ Uyunglele also can sling it. So Sam Hartman goes 20-29, 337 yards, six TDs through the air, zero interceptions. DJ Uyunglele goes 26-41, to 41, 371 pass yards, five TDs through the air, zero interceptions. What I want you to remember about this is that Sam Hartman was ranked number 767 in the 2018 recruiting class, and Uyunglele was ranked number 10. Ball players come from everywhere all the time. You are a ball player. Just keep driving your feet. Keep shoulder pads level. Keep going. It's all right. Sam Hartman came off the bench later after being medically cleared, put up one of the better games that we've ever seen anybody play this year. Just happened to be on a losing end 51 45. Clemson stays perfect for now, but they still got a North Carolina state team. That is going to give them a hard time from that to an SEC matchup, our top 20, our third, or our second at three, top 25 matchups today, where we got to see number 11, Tennessee, hang on to beat number 20, Florida, 38-33, in which I got the little ding-a-ling. Wins don't come easy at Rocky Top. Team's too rocky by far. That's why all the folks on Rocky Top get their corn from a jar. Now, those are also lyrics that are inside of, you know, the Rocky Top anthem that you hear every time they score. Also, Smokey getting lit tonight, right? You know what I'm saying? Because they ain't beat no Florida in like no six years. Just Hypo ain't never beat no Florida ever. Beat every other Florida team. Ain't beat no Florida Gators. And then toward the end, I got to see Jalen Wright not only hit the scuff, the, the chop on him, he did the slow slash on him. My goodness. Tennessee feeling themselves. They should be feeling themselves. Check this out. The Gators put up 576 yards of offense in this game. The Balls put up 594 offense in the game, where I might describe it as defense optional. Like, what is that? I feel like over 1,100 yards of offense in an SEC East matchup. Also, quietly, Georgia, Tennessee, even Florida, Kentucky, SEC East, getting to be a little bit as deep as the SEC West. Wow, kind of cool there. One other thing I want to add here is Hendon Hooker absolutely is a dude. Right? We're going to have to start talking about him in Heisman Trophy c- uh, consideration because and Herker has given me not just 349 yards passing, 112 yards rushing against a really good Florida football team. He's also given me hope, Tennessee fans, uh, Producer Cat, earmuffs, that they can beat Alabama for the first time in 15 years in just three weeks' time. Three weeks. If Texas can get close, y'all, get close and possibly win. You got close a couple years ago. You know, Jared Guarantano just fumbles on the goal line. Trayvon Diggs taking 98 yards back to the house. It's there for you. I believe in you, Tennessee. You got my man's hypo. Torrance Marshall went to go get his Heisman back. He's going to go get you your pride back against Alabama. You get your first win against Alabama since the iPhone was invented. Think about that as we on like update number 85 or whatever. All right. From that game, let's move over to one of my favorites of the day. Right, This was on Big Ten Network. Minnesota defeats Michigan State 34-7 to move to 4-0. My favorite part about this is watching the Twitter spaces pop up after, you know, egregious losses, and a Michigan State Twitter space popped up in front of me. And I was like, ooh, it's getting bad over there in East Lansing. But it had to, because if you're looking at the game, you know that it was nasty. It was nastier than 34-7 would lead you to believe. Minnesota outgame Michigan State 312 yards to 45 yards by halftime. 312 to 45. Minnesota picked up 19 first downs to Michigan State's three by halftime, and the Spartans had run just 19 plays in the entire first half. Also, my man, your man, my dark horse for the Heisman Trophy, Mohammed Ibrahim, goes for over 100 yards for the 13th consecutive time. He is the first player to rush for more than 100 yards against Michigan State in their last 16 games. In Michigan State's last 16 games, he's the only dude to rush for over 100 yards. He's got 13 straight. Now, because I'm me, I asked Fox Sports researcher David Albiani, hey, who's got the record for the most 100-yard rushing games in a row? And I'm sure that Ohio State fans are barking at me because I just didn't know it off the top of my head, but I need to be told by the peerless Albiani that is Archie Griffin, who rushed for, like, who had 31 straight games, 100-yard rushing. So Mel Ibrahim ain't going to get anywhere near glass, right I'm saying? But – Minnesota does look like the team that's going to come out of the Big Ten West. That means I got them beating Iowa. That means I got them beating Wisconsin presently and representing the Big Ten West in what I think is going to be a showdown between Ohio State and Michigan for the Big Ten Championship. Here for it. The boat doesn't need to be rowed because P.J. Fleck has put a motor on the back of it and said, we're gone. That's how it feels over there. It's Good to be a golden gopher. From that game back to the Big 12, let's go. Texas Tech upsets Texas, number 22 Texas, 37 to 34 in OT. And before I get into this game, I want you to hear what Joy McGuire had to say to his locker room after the game. Hey, I asked you to keep fighting and you did. Said so it's gonna be when we came out of half, we had two more rounds to fight and you did. I told you they were gonna break and they did. Yes, I told you they were gonna break and did. The reporter asked me at the end says, what's it mean? can win this game and beat Texas. I said, it doesn't mean anything to beat Texas. We're to in the Big 12. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all right now, the country's going to find out. Everything runs through Lubbock. Everything runs through Lubbock. Hey. All right, there's a lot there. First of all, full marks to Coach McGuire for the best post-game speech in 2022, okay? Let's unpack that for just a second. First thing he said that caught my attention was that it ain't nothing to beat Texas. What? Ever, man. Wow. Like, okay, That one is called, that one's going to leave a mark in the state of Texas, okay? All right? Texas is the flagship school in the state of Texas. That's where everybody's tax dollars go, okay? Tyler Rose, Ricky Williams, Vince Young, 05, everybody understands. Coach McGuire, who's in the Texas High School Football Coaches Association Hall of Fame, try saying that five times fast, also just said, nah, it ain't nothing to beat Texas. What it is, we want to know in the Big 12, which means Texas Tech, Kansas, Kansas State. (laughs) My God, Baylor. What is this Big 12? It's super deep, but I didn't expect my Oklahoma suitors to be at the bottom of it. My goodness. And then the next thing he said in there that I thought was really interesting is everything runs through Lubbock. Lord, I hope not. Lord, I hope not. But- I get what you mean. I get what you mean, okay? It ain't exactly a freeway running to Lubbock, Texas. You know what I mean? you've been to Lubbock, L- 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 Texas, you understand what I'm saying there, right? Even Lubbock, Texas fans, even Texas State, uh, Texas Tech Raider fans understand, yeah, you got to want to go to Lubbock. And you know what? Maybe that is the point. You're going to have to want to go to Lubbock to go and beat down Texas Tech to get something like respect in the Big 12 this year. And I think that's nothing to sneeze at. Their losses against an undefeated North Carolina State that I already thought was going to be good. When I looked at this game on the schedule, I already said, okay, McGuire's got this one circled, even if you don't want to tell anybody. Because Texas put up 77 on Texas Tech last year, and Texas Tech has not beaten Texas till today. In Lubbock, since 2008, when we know Mike Crabtree, toe-touched in the end zone. Matter of fact, it's one of my favorite stories ever about football, where you got Graham Harrell, who's the offensive coordinator at West Virginia. You got Michael Crabtree, who's going into the College Football Hall of Fame, even if he got his chain snatched by my man, Akib Taleb, also a Kansas grad. Saying to Mike Leach, yo, man, let us go for it. Let us go for the win on a, on a where they had to go for the win. And Mike Leach just says, go run four verticals. And they ran four verticals. And Mike Crabtree bent it. Mike Crabtree took it in. They upset a number one ranked Texas. Pretty great. It's pretty awesome. And then they get this win against Steve Sarkeesian and Texas today. Even as Burt Auburn, apparently, as producer Cat had said, learned from his mistakes against Alabama. My goodness. And then DeJuan Robinson, who never puts the ball on the ground. Like a Najee Harris never put the ball on the ground. Put the ball on the ground in overtime. Texas Tech recovered. They were able to go get the win. Congratulations to the Texas Tech Red Raiders who are living their best lives. Fresh off of being crown college football on fox's best fans in the country because they won that poll against my oklahoma sooners we just catching l's in all the wrong ways this year man texas tech upsets texas 37 34 in overtime and now we got a real fight for the big 12 championship in a way that we haven't in years i think uh, this is gonna be so fascinating to watch we're very excited to see what the big 12 can do going into the rest of 2022 real quick number 23 texas a hangs on to beat number 10, Arkansas, 23 to 21. AM needed needed Arkansas kicker to take one off the top of the uprights at Jerry World to seal this victory and then had the nerve to go celebrate like they've done something. A&M's third straight win, though, against an AP top 10 opponent, which means that they only play well against the good teams because Appalachia State, while being good, is not a top 10 team. Like, I just, A&M, make it make sense here. I think Arkansas is going to bounce back from this. They f- showed a lot of fight toward the end. KJ Jefferson still willing to put his shoulders down, put him into the chest of a linebacker or safety. Anybody that wants to get in his way, I think Arkansas is still going to be tough the rest of the way. You get a win against Alabama. You get a win against Ole Miss, and then you're right back in this because I think a might show themselves once again not to be able to hold up against, let's say, LSU when that time comes. But for now, a good for you. You got a nice win against Arkansas. See if you can carry that through the rest of 2022. Let's go number 15. Oregon comes back to beat Washington State. 44-34. to This game was super wild. I, from the pick six on the goal line that, Aub- that, that Auburn Bo Nix threw to Washington State to Oregon Bo Nicks coming through for 428 pass yards, completing 75% of his passes, and generally playing like a Pac-12 player of the year. All over the map this game was, even as it didn't feel like Oregon could get any pass rush, they still had great offensive line play. I thought that the Washington State defense was playing outstanding football. I think they're going to be really tough the rest of the way. I like Washington State. I don't think their win against Wisconsin was a fluke, and I don't think that Wisconsin is as bad as Ohio State made them look today. Even if they're not as good as Minnesota, Pac-12 is going to be really, really fun to watch. As of, we're doing the show, Oregon State giving USC still everything you can handle. Very excited to see how this uh, this ends, and also. I want to know the answer to this question. Who the hell is Oregon? Are you the team that gets dunked on 49-3 to by Georgia? Are you the team that beats a top 25 BYU and comes back to beat a really good Washington State? We'll see, right? I also really love Kansas beating Duke 35-27, move to 4-0. Okay. I am taking a quiet joy in Lance Leipold and the Kansas Jayhawks moving to 4-0 for the first time since 2009, taking a quiet joy in Jalen Daniels absolutely being a dude. 19 of 23, 324 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, 11 rushes, 83 yards. Rank Kansas, you cowards! Now, the thing for you to take away from this is not just the Kansas sold out its stadium. 47,000 it holds. I made the quip on the Twitters that, Kansas sold out a game in 2022 before USC did, to which people said USC has a 77,000-seat coliseum, to which I say, explain Oklahoma to me now, who has 85,000 3 million people living in the state, half of them claim to be Oklahoma State fans. Then explain Nebraska to me, which also seats more than 80,000 people and hasn't been good in over a decade, okay? If you love football, you love football, and Kansas is a football school. The part for you to really, really hammer in to anybody who wants to talk about this, though, is that Lance Leipold has never once acted like this is a fluke or how he's happy to be here. Every step of the way, Lance Leipold has said, no, it's nice. It's it's a nice win. You know, it's nice that we got to show a little heart today. That's the confidence that you can have in your program when you have won six national championships. Hello? Hello? Look, there's a reason why I like Lance Leipold hired. It's one, Travis Goff and Lance Leipold have a great relationship, and two, Lance has won everywhere he's gone. Why wouldn't he not win at Kansas? It took him less than a year to flip that program. And now everybody is on notice. Kansas, Kansas State, Baylor, Texas Tech. These, Oklahoma State, Idol this week. These are the bastions of Big 12 football right now. I love this. This is so much fun. Except when my team loses. Yeah, but that's what it is. Georgia looks mortal, defeats Kent State 39 22. Okay, I had a lot to say about this game. I had a lot to say about this game. Started off real well, and then Oklahoma lost. But I'm just going to go through it right quick because I had a lot to say about it. Kent State scored more on number one Georgia in the first half with 13 points. Then number 15, Oregon, and South Carolina combined, who combined for 10 points. Oklahoma held Kent State three points. Georgia gave up 13 in the first half. Okay, and then Oklahoma gets 41 put on his head by Kansas State. Georgia also allowed more points to Kent State, 22, than it did to every other opponent it played all season. Sanford, South Carolina, and of course, Oregon. And then my favorite note from that game, there are only two teams who have scored at least 22 points against Georgia dating back to the start of the 2021 season. One of them is Kent State. The other one is Alabama. So either Kent State is really damn good or Georgia is not as good. I'm willing to bet that Georgia's every bit as good as we think that they are. Or we thought they were last week. That they overlooked Kent State, and that Kent State is also a very good football team who's been doing nothing but barnstorming. Right? Like you look at their schedule so far, and it's not easy. You had Oklahoma. you beat up on Long Island. You had Georgia. I think there's another game in there that I'm missing. They had pay game, but they absolutely showed themselves to be a class football program while playing these play games. Georgia also outgained Kent State 529 yards to 281 yards, but committed three turnovers. One of those, I watched Stetson Bennett DHL an interception to a Kent State Golden Flash. Kent State also came out there with some gnarly formations, giving all the offensive linemen goosebumps. Just And Lad McConkey might actually still be running after that game. I think he had a muff punt, drop pass for touchdown, a fumble. It's just a bad day for that dude playing wide receiver at Georgia. I'm sure that Kirby Smart is going to eat off this game for a very long time, not unlike Nick Saban, still eating off of the Texas win, 2019 and then last segment of the show favorite segment of the show middle Tennessee done number 25 Miami 45 31 it's not just that middle Tennessee beat Miami 45 to 31 at the hard rock in Miami garden Is that the Miami Hurricane paid $1.5 million for the privilege? Miami, I said you've been had. You've been took. I said you've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok. This is what he does. Middle Tennessee, Blue Raiders, put the shimmy in the shag. Miami, Put the money in the bag. Hey, 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 hey. Oh yeah, I love it. I love it with the cash in the bin. All right, that's gonna do it for tonight's Saturday recap show, week four—not week five. We will be back tomorrow to react to the Associated Press top twenty-five and to talk about my own top twenty-five rankings, which you can find later tonight on the Fox Sports app. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is John Marcus. Social media maybe is JV Duncan. Our lead of screening is Rachel Cohn. I know host RJ. Niles one on the switches. Niles, thank you for being on the switches. Cause I doggone sure can't do that and do this show. That's it for me. Doses.